All right, I'm going to try to get myself together here and uh, do this message. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for who you are. And God, we just can't help but thank you for watching out for us every step of the way. And even when it doesn't seem like you're there, you haven't gone anywhere. You're amazing, God. We honor you today. Just like we honor the lives that have been lost for our freedom. And we remember those in the military and so many different ways have sacrificed their lives that we could experience freedom ongoing. You paid the ultimate sacrifice. You gave your life so we would have the opportunity to be free for eternity. Not just now, but forever. And you're so committed to the process in our life. You never stop. You never give up. You just keep doing the amazing things that you do to guide and govern our lives so that your word is fulfilled that says you will make something beautiful out of our lives. And as we stand here this morning, God, and looking at this congregation, Truly, you're making something beautiful, one by one, day by day, hour by hour, season after season. You're making something beautiful out of your people. Thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you that every once in a while, you give us the information that we need to make sense of where we're headed and where we're going and what you're doing. And forgive us for being frustrated at times when we don't have all the answers for what you're doing and where we're going and what you're up to. Lord, we just want to start this morning by saying, once again, we trust you. We trust you. Help us to trust you in Jesus' name. All right, so some of you know me, some of you don't. I could get usually a bye with about three weeks and then I'd have one of these weeks. And I was thinking that this wouldn't be one of those weeks, and here we are. So I will potentially weep my way through another sermon, and you will listen. It's only going to be a half an hour or more, so (laughs) you can do this. I saw the slide that uh, Jen made for the title of my message is The Road to Your Destiny, and You know, just looking at that slide um, and thinking about that title, you know, if we had a week to sit together, we couldn't begin to share all the things that God has done in our life and how that he's brought us to the place that we are right now. And the people that we used to be compared to the people that we are, even if you feel like you're a complete mess and a disaster, You're way further ahead than you were before. And sometimes we fail to remember where God has brought us from and what he's done in us, but also what he's done through us. Because even without meaning to, because you surrendered your life to Christ, you've changed the lives of people that you've touched along the way. And even if you feel like you're an abject failure just by being 
a son or a daughter of the king, you have impacted the people around you in ways that you probably don't even know or understand. Things have happened because you've been the person that God has destined and created you to be. I think we do more by mistake than we do on purpose when we're letting God lead our lives. At the end of the day, the scripture says that a man's mind plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. In the last three years, it's proven that to be true in my life that, you know, you think you're headed in a direction and you really have no idea what you're doing or where you're going or why. But he does. And probably the reason that I'm all weepy is that sometimes he gives you a little glimpse of that why. And it's been a long time since I've heard any of that. And I hate to set you up like this because I'm not going to tell you what he said to me this morning. Because <laughs> I'm not sure I believe what he said to me this morning. Yet, you know, you go through that process of, was that you, God, or was that me, or was that the devil? Or Probably wasn't the devil. So, God is good, and he knows what he's doing, and you can trust him with your life. I could actually stop now and that would be that would be good. That's it right there. All right, I don't know how many phases there are really to each season of your destiny. There could be 6, there could be 8. Um I only have 3. So maybe that means a shorter message. I don't. But the road to your destiny there are three phases that I have seen. It's not, they're not rocket science at all. One is the before, one is the during, and one is the after. In Mark chapter 14 and verse 32, in the New Living Translation, it says, They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and Jesus said, Sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell to the ground and he prayed that if it were possible, this awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. I can't imagine knowing what he knew was ahead, being in this moment, speaking of Jesus. It's the night before he goes to the cross. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. There are some phrases that I think it's impossible to find the plan and the purpose and the will of God for your life if you're not willing to make this statement. And that statement is what Jesus said in the midst of his journey Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. King James says, not my will be done, but yours. Year after year, I've prayed that prayer. I've made that statement to God. And oftentimes the words that we speak and the prayers that we pray and the declarations that we make 
Oftentimes, we think that it's going to produce a certain fruit because being human, we have a map that is our journey. We've kind of already mapped it out. Most of the time, we're in transition. We've already mapped out what it's going to look like. We're just waiting for God to fill in the blanks. And maybe partly why I'm so emotional this morning is because I thought a lot of things about the different transitions in my life and very often realize that his ways were much higher than mine and I didn't have a clue where I was headed or what I was going to do or where I was going and what he was doing in me. But he always does an amazing job. So this statement or this declaration or this prayer is a way of keeping us from getting too overly involved in God's plan and desire for us. By nature, as human beings, we have a tendency to be a little bit control-ish. Somebody had coined the term control freaks. I can fall in that control into that category at times when I want to know what's going on. And I don't like not knowing what's going on. And I like to know what God's up to. And I think that partly why I don't always know is because he's trying to Work that out of me. So before, during, and after, Jesus is in this during phase right here. But this scripture is telling us his destiny. His destiny was to go to the cross. His purpose for coming was to go to the cross. If he didn't go to the cross, we would have no reason to be sitting here today. If he hadn't died and rose again, we would have no reason for being in this room. So he said, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned and found the disciples asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me even for one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them again and prayed the same prayer as before, and he returned to them again. He found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open, and they didn't know what to say. And when he returned to them a third time, he said, Go ahead and sleep, have your rest. But know the time has come that the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. That night began a road to Jesus' destiny, or was another part of the road to Jesus' destiny. And that destiny was the cross, as we've said. So let's look at before. Before is setting the stage. It's receiving instruction and vision. It's embracing and absorbing the promise, the mandate, or the assignment. As we go into a season and we're being led by the Spirit, there is going to be a word from the Lord. There is going to be instruction. There is going to be guidance. There is going to be some interaction with him where he's going to perpetrate or initiate that change of assignment. If he doesn't, then we're probably going to be in trouble right from the get-go because if he's not initiating change and transformation in your life, then we're doing it ourselves, And that usually doesn't end well. Okay, so it's setting the stage. It's God giving us a word. It's it's God speaking to our hearts. It's an unsettledness in our in our in where we are, and then us being able to 
listen to what God is saying. And then over a process, a lot of times, it's us being willing to say, okay, God, what are you up to? And our hearts being open to be able to receive the instruction that he's going to give us. How many of you have had a transition in your life where, you know, you went through this process of hearing the voice of God, understanding the voice of God, wondering whether it was the voice of God, um, and then finally coming to grips with, oh, okay, God, this is what you're telling me, um, and now we've got to go through the process of, of stepping into what it is that he's saying. Well, oftentimes, that takes some time. It's not a something that happens, you know, immediately or overnight or just in a 24-hour cycle. Um, there's a process to that. There's a, a process to, to searching the heart of God and understanding or, or being willing to say, God, is this what you're saying? And then bringing it as a matter of prayer and, and uh, you know, before him. And you want to do that. That's not doubting God. It's just simply coming into agreement with his plan and, and, and making sure that you're not going off um, on some tangent somewhere and he's not in it. Okay? So, absorbing the promise, the mandate, and the assignment. So that's the before. Isaiah 9-6 is a scripture that talks about, um, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Beginning to, you know, speaking to Jesus' assignment, the mission, the mandate, what it was that he was called to do. The disciples knew the scripture existed. They knew that this um, messianic promise was there. But when Jesus came, they couldn't put him with that. Or they mixed up what the intention of him coming was. There is one phrase in that scripture that would lead us to believe that um, some of the desire that they had for him to come and fix their problems, they, they were tired of fighting with Rome, they were tired of being under the oppression, they were tired of all the things that they were tired of, and, and the scripture did say that, and the government will be upon his shoulders. They just took that to mean uh, the physical government, the the Roman government, and uh, they went from there. So we have to be careful how we're translating what God is saying to us. You know, he wasn't talking about the Roman government at all. He really didn't even deal with the Roman government. Jesus didn't, didn't, uh, just told them to pay taxes to whom, I kind of wish he hadn't said that, but he did. (laughs) This, uh, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto God what is God's and, and, and keep things in perspective. And uh, he didn't come to take over the Roman Empire or to set the Roman Empire straight. He came to set everybody free, including the Romans. Amen. Um, he wasn't confused about his assignments. The disciples just got it off because of what they wanted so badly. They wanted to be free from that oppression. And so oftentimes in our, in our before, during, and after, we have to be careful that we don't want something so badly that we, that we start going off in a tangent and we're not really listening and being sensitive to what God is speaking for us to do. You can be so frustrated in your current place that you can hear anything. Amen? Oftentimes we want to believe something so badly that every time we read the word, it's, it's explaining that situation the way that we want it to come out. Be careful when you're in that spot because you can hear anything. So a lot of times we use the, the thing where you're, you're leaving your 
kind of your palms open. And that's basically saying I'm not holding on myself. I'm not trying to control uh, this situation or the outcome. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. So that's Isaiah 9, 6. Um, it's talking about Jesus's destiny. Micah 5, 2 says, but you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come For me, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. And you really don't see them doing much to prepare for that. It's just there. It's a promise. It's a prophecy. It's a scripture that they knew about. But you know how when four or five or eight years or whatever it is in advance, you know that the Olympics are coming to your city? What do we do? Yeah, we get ready. You know, there's like a whole massive infrastructure uh, redesign and rebuild and and, uh, massive amounts of money is spent on getting ready to be able to facilitate the crowds that come with uh, hosting the Olympics. Well, the God of the universe is coming. (laughs) You don't see where Bethlehem really made that much preparation. Fact is, when he did come... They didn't recognize him when he came, and he ended up in a stable, I think, by design. But God's ways are certainly not our ways, because our thoughts would be that if it's the king, it should be in the most posh environment. We have so much to consider when understanding the kingdom of God. So anyway, here is Jesus' trajectory, his before There's so many scriptures that talk about his before. There's so many scriptures that talk about the reason why he's coming. And so I say, I ask you this morning, what about you and I? What are you processing today? What's God doing in you? Are you aware? Aren't you aware? Are we aware of maybe what God is doing? Or are we just in that day-to-day grind where, you know, life is kind of happening and it's overwhelming and it's so much to do that, you know what, Uh, we'll deal with that later. Thank God we have church on Sunday because sometimes it's the only time and and sometimes it's just per force of habit, but we show up on church on Sunday and, uh, and God has this opportunity to speak to us. Hopefully that's not all it is, but that's a good start. Amen. So the before, what has God spoken to you? What has he told you? What are you wrestling with? Are you wrestling with anything? You don't always have to be wrestling. But if you are, and there's something going on that God's been working out in you, listen carefully. Don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. I didn't necessarily, the things that were spoken in my heart, back there and I got all weepy and emotional didn't really make too much more sense than the rest of what I've been going through. So I'm not sure if it's good news or bad news. It's just some information and sometimes any information is better than no information and 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 so there there we are. So once you've received a mandate or an instruction or a call or a or a word from the Lord then you're going to enter into that next phase, which is the during. And the during seems to be a very long process, typically, at least for me anyway. 
the during is, is uh, you know, it's kind of like the, 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 the middle of the sandwich type of thing. And uh, we'll put it this way. During is the most intense part of your journey. Every emotion, every insecurity, every fear, every element and level of faith, etc., is challenged and exposed. So in this pro- process, God will be working out in you both to do and to willing to do his good pleasure. So his purposes are being established. You're, you've stepped out by faith to, to answer what it was that you've, he's put in your heart. You've stepped forward the best you know to be obedient to what he's called you to do. But the process that you will go through in this during phase can be excruciating at times. Downright painful. Emotionally distressing. The unknowns will just haunt you at times. This last three years for me has been a a reasonably difficult time or season, just to be quite honest with you. When you're used to doing one thing for 26 years and all of a sudden you're not doing that one thing, your whole identity is wrapped up in whatever you do for 26 years. I don't care if you're, uh, you know, what it was that you did, you know, paint deck rails. If you do that for 26 years, you're probably pretty good at it by now and probably have a whole host of deck rails all over the countryside that you can point to and say, that's my deck rail, whatever. And so your identity, a lot of times our identity gets wrapped up in what we do. And it's kind of our, it's kind of a, it becomes a bit of our our stability and our, 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 our way of pointing to something and say, that's me. But when that transition takes place and all of a sudden what you've been isn't what you are, I was pretty amazed at how much weirdness went on in my head over this last three years. Like all kinds of stuff. Just, just uh, you know, your value, your validity, your contribution. All of it's changed. All of it's different. All of it's, you know, you, you don't really know what the answers to are. You can't measure it anymore. You know, we, we preachers can kind of measure it by, you know, we had 85 this week and we had 75 last week. That's a measuring or you know, 85 last week and 55 this week, which that happens too. But uh, the measurements are a big deal. And in this process, I believe God has a way of taking the props out from underneath of us. It's a thing where he's bringing us into a place where we'll trust him unconditionally. That we're broken in such a way that we're not devastated or we're not damaged in that respect. But we're broken in the sense that our will is being crushed. Our ways, our identity is giving way to a spot where we can be His again. And even in the ministry, even as a pastor, you can become so accustomed to what you do because you've done it so long that you're not leaning nearly as dependently on Him as you might have when you first started. And his desire is for us to be 
completely and totally dependent on Him because it's in that frame of mind that we are able to hear clearly what it is that He's saying or much clearer what it is that He's saying. And the decisions that we make are not so much mixed with our own intentions or simply responding yes. I want to be in that place. And so standing in the back of the room today, when you hear just a, a bit of information, and usually with me, when he says something and all of a sudden I'm, I'm just in worship, it's not like I'm standing there thinking, okay, God, please, please say something to me. I'm really desperate for you to say something. It wasn't that at all. It was, it was simply just minding my own business and getting ready. I was preaching today. You know, it was pretty awesome. And, you know, here we go again and, and uh, that sort of thing. And so getting ready for that. And, and, uh, and all of a sudden he chose today to give me something. You know, I'm like, why today? I'm trying to keep myself together here. It's emotional enough as it is. And uh, why do you have to choose today? But, but again, it's just the way God is. It's just the way he works. He, he chooses those moments when we're most vulnerable, I guess. Or, or we're in that place where that vulnerability will give us the, the, uh, the openness to hear. And so he gave me something. And every time... He gives me something. You know what it is. It's like everything stops. Nothing else matters. It wouldn't matter to me if we were seeing Michael row the boat ashore. You know, or, or jingle bells or something. I wouldn't even have heard it. Because God was saying something. And I could just sense his presence all around me. And it's like nothing else mattered. Money didn't matter. Position didn't matter. Status didn't matter. My validity didn't matter. My station in life didn't matter. My car didn't matter. My family didn't matter. God is saying something. And everything stops. So it's in those moments that you usually get the before or it's in those moments where he's given you some clarity in the during that helps you to make sense of it all. And it helps you to know that he hasn't walked away and left you there by yourself. He knows where you are. He hasn't forgotten. And yeah, it's been a little lonely or yeah, it's been a little quiet or yeah, it's been a little little uh, crushing and squashing and squeezing and all of that tribulation stuff is happening. But it's all coming to a place. It's kind of like a funnel. When you pour something in a funnel, it's big at the top and it just seems like, hey, we're going for a ride. And it's all big in the big part of the funnel. And then eventually you get down to the narrow part where it's like, oh, you know, tightens up and squeezes up. And all of a sudden it's restriction and you're going to, but you're being directed. You were being directed in the beginning. It just wasn't requiring much Refining. But when you go through that narrow part of the funnel, you're going to conform to that narrow part of the funnel. It's just there isn't any other option. You know, you're not climbing, climbing out of the funnel. I guess you can climb out of the funnel, but it's not a good idea usually. So you're going to 
come out of that funnel, if you ever look at the other end of the funnel, it's coming out in a round tube. It's like your child after you've shook him up. That little baby, I shouldn't have gone there. <laughs> but when that comes out, buddy, yeah, it's all good. Help me, Jesus. I just had to go somewhere like that today. All right, so in this part of your journey, in the during uh, part of your journey, it is really important to keep your focus because you're going to hear all kinds of stuff. You're going you're gonna to be inclined to believe all kinds of lies. You're going to be in very vulnerable, you're going to be in very vulnerable spots. Your, your thoughts about yourself are going to be all over the place. You know, insecurity is like a, 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 a harsh taskmaster. But it's usually a tool that the enemy uses to keep us from staying on target or in the trajectory of what it is God's doing in this during season. You guys just went to uh, Bible college, started that part of your journey, right? So all of a sudden, you know, you've been used to living life a certain way, and now all of a sudden you're in a system where they're requiring this and that out of you, and you got to go to class, and you got to be on time, and you got to study, and you got to wear certain clothes and whatever. God bless America. But you're going down a funnel, you know, when you went to visit that school, it was like, ooh, you know, big part of the funnel. Everything's amazing and awesome. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to go to Bible college. Blah, blah, blah. Hallelujah. But after the first year, you know, you're, you're, you're a ways down the, down the, the funnel. And uh, all of a sudden, God's putting a demand on your intellect. He's putting a demand on your time. He's putting a demand on your, your habits. He's putting a demand on your spirit. You know, your way of life, um, the things that you used to think were okay, and he's putting a demand on those things, and you're realizing that there are things in your life that weren't a part of his plan, and they're not going to fly for the rest of your life. And so you're adjusting, and you're changing, and you're submitting, and you're, and it's a whole process of God making us into his likeness and image, and accomplishing through us what his ultimate plan is for our life. I think, first of all, we have to be aware that he does have a plan for our life. He does have a plan for our life. God has a plan and a purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11 is a, is a classic scripture for God's intention for us. He has a plan for your life. Okay? I wasn't, wasn't in my notes necessarily, but he has a plan for you. And his plan is to bless you prosper you, to do good to you, and not do harm. Who would have thought? Religion will teach you otherwise, that he's after you, that you're bad, predominantly, and need to be straightened out. I guess it's kind of true, but, but, uh, but he starts with, he has a plan for you, and it's to bless you and to prosper you and to do good to you and not harm, and he wants you to make it. God actually wants you to make it. He wants you to do good. He wants you to to succeed. He wants you to be a vessel of righteousness and honor, fit for the master's use. He wants to be able to flow through you and utilize you and to change the lives of people around you through you. That's God's intention. In John 10.10, it says, Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. 
In John 16.33 it says, These things have I spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So there's two things there that are happening in this, this part of our journey. One, we have to understand that God has a plan for our life, and his intentions are that we would have an abundant life. Abundant doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to be rich, which can mean that. But abundant has to do with, Paul said, I've learned how to be a, a, live an abundant life, whether, I'm, uh, uh, whether I abound or whether I'm abased. So there are times when you prosper, there's times when, when you don't. But regardless of what station you are in, in life materially or whatever, God has a plan and he's working his plan and we're not to be caught up in in worrying about um, or defining or deciding whether we're in his plan or not based on whether we're in the abased place or the abounding place. All right. So because you can you can allow that confusion to settle in. It's like, oh, I'm doing amazingly financially. So everything that I'm doing must be God's plan. Well, not necessarily. You just made some good decisions financially and you, you know, you saved a little and spent, I mean, you saved a lot and spent a little, which we usually do it backwards. Or I do anyway. Don't save any and spend way more than I should. Thank God for my wife because she does it the right way. Or what if she wasn't married to me? <laughs> oh, help me, Jesus. She's like, there's nothing left. <laughs> Uh, all right, here we go again. All right, so Jesus came that we might have life. That's his abundant thing. Um, and then there's also this whole part where we are going to be uh, have tribulation. So there's this whole balance of God's working his plan in us and using all circumstances for His His for our good and for his glory. Isaiah 61, 1 through 3 speaks of the mission that Jesus was actually on. The clues as to why Jesus would come were there all the time. But yet there are generations that are growing up that don't understand, that didn't understand the mission of the Messiah. They didn't understand why he had come. In fact, um, he went into his own community and they rejected him. They didn't receive him as the Messiah. They rejected him. Okay, And just because you show up with God's word in your heart doesn't mean that everybody's going to accept that God's word is in your heart. Uh, sometimes this road that we we walk as a Christian is a fairly lonely road in the sense that not everybody's going to get you. <laughs> not everybody's going to get you. This this community might not get you as a Christian. There's just so many, so many thoughts really in every culture, but they might not get what you're about. They may not get the, the whole kingdom thing. They may not get the whole Jesus thing. Don't let that Lose your focus. Stay focused. Be true to your identity. And your identity is not what you do for a job. Your identity is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's the one that redeemed you and brought you out of darkness and into the light. That's your, that's your core. That's your value. That's who you are. That's your identity. Jesus is your identity. If you know him as your personal Lord and Savior, Jesus is your identity. And everything else from then on is just extra. You can be a truck driver for a hundred years. That's not your identity. That's just what you do. It's not your identity. It's not who you are. You can ride the back of a garbage truck. It's not your identity. It's just what you do. It pays the bills. 
right? You can be a preacher for 79 years. It's not your identity. It's just what you do. It's not who you are. Being a preacher wasn't who I was. Being a son of God, a child of God, that's my identity. So therefore, what I do is not my source. Told me that a few months back. That was another little tidbit. And I cried over that one too. It's like you're putting your trust in the wrong spot. Rockport Granite is not your source. When my pay got cut in half in the middle of the winter, it got my attention. I said, hmm, I get it. So how are you going to make it? Rockport Granite is not my source. It's kind of funny, actually. You know, the week that my pay got cut, my wife called me from, from at work, and uh, she said, you're not going to believe this. I was like, what? She goes, you know what our check used to be? I was like, yeah. <laughs> we just got a check in the mail for that same amount, plus like $15 or whatever, from some, some thing that we paid that was more than we should have paid like eight months ago. So... Not only did I get the check that I got for half a check, I got the check for the full amount. And it was like God saying to me, they're not your source. It doesn't matter if you work for Burger King, they're not your source. I'm your source. Trust me. You may not know where your next check is coming from. Wherever it comes from, it's not your source. God is your source. Right? Okay, I know that's that's very difficult. It's it's really easy to preach. You know what I've found out in the last three years? I've preached stuff my whole life that was really fun to preach, and I had a good time preaching it. And I could get loud and excited, and but it's a whole lot different when you preach it when you have to go out, go out there and do it. And uh, for three years, I've been having to do some of the stuff I've been preaching and telling everybody else to do. And it's like, okay, this is probably his his intention, you know. It's like, okay, buddy, yeah. you've been getting a little bossy lately, making it sound like it's all easy and everything, like they should have gotten it already. Now you go do it. Easy, right? Just do it. It's very easy to let our culture define who we are or define our trajectory or define the process that we're in. Don't fall prey to that temptation. Jesus, when he showed up and he did his three years of ministry, you know, you remember the time where he went in and he looked around the temple and he got a little angry. And uh, the Bible says that he wove cords together into like a whip. And he drove the money changers out of the temple. They were in there selling stuff and translating money. (laughs) They were just doing all kinds of stuff. They'd just gotten used to it. You know, they probably didn't even think about it. They were just in there selling, you know, the sacrificial stuff and whatever and doves and meal and all the stuff that went with that. And, And he was like, no, this is not what, my house is about. This is not what the kingdom is about. And he, and he cleansed the temple, the Bible says, that day. It wasn't status quo. 
It wasn't what everybody was expecting. He went in and he did what was right. He set things in order. In this whole process of before, during, and after, I'm convinced that God is simply trying to put our lives in order and align our lives with His purposes and His plans. So whatever you're facing today, whatever decisions, you might not have put it into my amazing before, during, and after, you know, format. I know you'll be thinking every night now, what's my before, what's my during, and what's my after? That was so brilliant. (laughs) Help me, Jesus. But regardless, if you can fit it into the three or the six that you come up with or whatever, if you're facing stuff, God's up to something. If you're being challenged, God's up to something. If you're wondering what God is doing or where he's gone or why he's bugging you so much, He's up to something. Whatever spot that you're in, you've been in the dry places where you just didn't know where he was or wonder if he was even actually there anymore or even in the universe because it was just so dry and you come to worship and Jen's so amazing and you're feeling nothing, you know, and it's not Jen at all. It's just where you are. And the next week you want to be Suzanne, happy and jumping. She just is that way all the time. I don't know how she does that. So if you're going through stuff, that's a good thing. If you're being challenged to your core, that's a good thing. If you're questioning why all this is happening to you, you're in the best spot you could ever be in. Why? Because God is getting ready or is in the process of transforming you from glory to glory to glory. That's what it looks like. No, we're like, we want to go from mountaintop to mountaintop to mountaintop. And we don't want to understand that there's a valley in between each one of those mountaintops. So we hear glory to glory. And that's like, oh, that's good news. You know, we're just going to go from one blissful moment in Jesus to the next. I, you know, I may have missed something along the way, but I have not experienced that. It's been one brief mountain spot and then this long valley, you know, where it seemed like I was going to drown to death and never come out alive. And then there would be a neat mountain spot where I'd weep in the back of the church and God knows where I'm headed next week. More unknowns, I'm sure. (laughs) Speak that down. But (laughs) But you know what? I don't care where. I'm at next week. He showed me something today that I'm going to ponder for a while. And while I'm in the middle of whatever comes next week, and I've been pondering what he gave me three years ago for the last three years. And I'm honestly, it doesn't usually last three years, but it just did this time. You know, and it might be another three years. I don't, I don't know. But does it matter? Because the stuff that's broken in me in the last three years, I don't want to be the same person that I was three years ago. I don't want to be that person ever again. And I was a pretty good guy. There I go again. I don't want to be that person. Because God had a better plan. Amen? He had a better me. 
He had a place that he wanted to send me to, a requirement that he wanted to put on my shoulders, a responsibility, a mission to hand me, but I wasn't ready three years ago to handle that mission. And so we go into a valley so that we can see what God is seeing in us that needs to be transformed. And we do our best and we go the hardest that we can only a lot of times to come up short. And God's simply saying, the goal wasn't to be all amazing. The goal was to hear my heart. So in the midst of what you are, whether you're in that amazing spot, whether you're on the top of the mountain, if you're halfway down into the valley and you know you're, you're not coming out anytime soon or it feels like you're not coming out, it really doesn't matter. God is doing something in you. Let him do it. Don't fight it. Don't try to stop. Don't try to, don't try to climb up out of that funnel. Just stay in it. Stay in it, but stay open. Stay like this. Father, not my will, but your will be done. There's another phrase that I've repeated over and over again on my journey. And it's in my wife and I together, you know, but it's my life is not my own. I've been bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus. And I don't have the right to determine what my next step is. I can. We can stop the process anytime we want, right? God's not going to force us to become anything that we're not willing to participate in. I'm not advocating that route. usually doesn't end well. But just because you say, Father, not my will, but your will be done, doesn't mean it's going to be a road of bliss. doesn't mean it's going to be a road of destruction. But I guarantee you it'll be a road that will make you into something that God will utilize and, 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 and he will work through. And there will be assignments that will come, potentially that will blow your mind. And you'll see him maneuver on your behalf that you'll wonder how in the world he brought it into position. After is when we actually see the harvest and enjoy the fruit of our labor. John prophesied the after about Jesus. We said, John one twenty nine. the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. God has put us here to enjoy our relationship with him. And in addition, we are here to impact our culture for good and not evil. Ultimately, God has a plan for your life. He has a plan for my life. And he's utilizing every opportunity to cause us to become the people that he's destined us to be. He has a road that he desires for us to walk, but he wants to walk it with us. He has a plan and a purpose, and he wants to unfold that, not for us, but with us. Us as willing participants participants in the plan and the purposes that he has. And in the meantime, God is making something beautiful out of our life. We have many of these before, during, and after phases that we will go through. Dozens of them over the course of your life. So that's an exciting thing because God is and desires to be involved in every phase of your life. From childhood development through young adults to middle age to old 
regardless of what season that you're in, God will, if we desire him to be, be a part of that journey with you every step of the way. And he will and is, as we allow him to, making something beautiful out of your life, out of our lives. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the process that we're in. Thank you for... Thank you for being so amazing in us. Thank you for opening up the, the heavens at times and helping us to have a glimpse of, of what it is that you're up to or even just an awareness that you're, you're still working and that we're to be patient and know that you're working on stuff and that we're not where we are by mistake. We didn't just end up in the spot that we're in We didn't just end up where we are and he had no part to play in it. Lord, I thank you that we can see your hand every step of the way. Sometimes you're just rescuing us out of a mess because we did something stupid and that's a good part of our journey too. Sometimes you're holding us, holding our hand through a very difficult, painful restructuring of the person that we are. Taking out the old and putting in new. Changing us, transforming us, squashing, squeezing, running down that funnel, being transformed into your likeness and your image. God, we thank you for the process. And Lord, wherever people are at today, wherever your people are at today, God, we ask that they would be encouraged that you're involved in the process And if they haven't been listening or they haven't been aware, Lord, let today be a let today be an an eye opener, an awakening, so that we can be reminded, Lord, that every day you're involved. Every day you're a part of what we're doing. Every day you have a plan. And God, we want to understand and know your plan and see our ways adapt to that. We just ask your blessing and favor to be released over each and every person that's here in this room today. In Jesus' name, amen.